0: Hello and welcome to this podcast. I'm Anju Gangurde, Executive Editor for the Asia Pacific region with Script and Pink Sheet. And today I'm joined by Mr. Sanjeev Navangul, Managing Director of Bharat Serums and Vaccines. Many of you may recall that in 2019, the global private equity firm Advent acquired a majority holding in Bharat Serums and Vaccines, or BSV for short. And Sanjeev took charge at the helm soon after. Sanjeev comes with wide-ranging experience at Global Pharma. He's a former managing director of Janssen in India and South Asia and an ex-managing director of MSD Pharmaceuticals Philippines. He's also been commercial director for MSD India and South Asia among other key leadership roles. Of course we're going to ask him about the 180-degree shift from Big Pharma World to Bharat Serums. But importantly, the last few months have been rather busy at Bharat Serums itself. There's a new R&D site, plans for a new manufacturing facility, and MA that gives the company more clout in women's health, a segment that's also seen global action. We've heard about MOC spinning out and listing its specialist women's health company, Organon. So we're gonna cover all of that and more in this podcast. Welcome, Sanjeev, and thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. So let me begin by, you know, rewinding a bit. And with the big shift you made, moving from J&J India to Bharat serums and vaccines. Now, what are some of the key factors that actually seal that deal for you personally? Especially since moving from big pharma to a specialist local company isn't something that we really hear of too often.
1: So Anju, uh, thank you for inviting me. First of all, I think it's an honor to be on your show. Uh, I think the reason of this shift, and uh, let me give you really two parts to the reason. One is personal, where I got transferred again, and having lived in many countries, my my I think my family was a bit uh, uh, not so con- you know conducive to getting out of the country again. But that's besides. I think the bigger point that uh, might sound a little philosophical but absolutely true is the fact that at some point in your career your personal goals ambition start to wither away and you start looking at what is the bigger impact you can have uh, in the field you are in and we are we are a very uh, you know very important field industry where we do good and do well so at some point of time it catches up with you and you start thinking that what do we need to do to contribute and one of the biggest things on my mind has always been that India has not been a top class R&D nation and why can't we with whatever potential we have build a top class R&D setup in the country uh, that was probably on my mind all along and when Advent said that let's do a diligence on BSV or bar serums and vaccines one of the things that Basically excited me was the fact that it was a serious biotech company. On top of it, it had high potential to do good R&D. And, uh, you know, there was was enough potential to think through many areas where R&D can become world class. And therefore, it was my desire that uh, drove me to where it was. Plus the fact that there was a platform where we could have done a bit more than what was being done plus the fact that advent uh, was willing to invest and uh, give us a free hand in working the company through new goals so all this combined together were probably good reasons for me to think that this is something that will be a lasting uh, legacy for me to say that we build something world class in terms of r&d for india on top of it build a very very high quality biotech company for uh, that can uh, that can do great business also so that put together i think it was it was a call based on a lot of these factors
0: that's really interesting uh, you know multiple factors but i think what kind of caught my attention was you know the bit on doing good doing well lasting legacy and kind of giving back to india in some ways i guess that's really interesting so if i can just now uh, you know link the then and now part of it so at jnj and prior stints in msd you were known for you know, you're out of the box thinking and deftly handling pricing and access issues. And I recall one of the PCs where you actually said uh, in Bukana was responsibly priced at a fraction of the U.S. cost to bolster access in India. And now you're actually quite on the other side. So how do you look at things now when you probably are dealing with very different pricing and competition dynamics?
1: Yeah, I think Anju, this is great of you to remember that. Actually the first time I used responsible pricing was when we launched Januvia in 2008 April Uh, and um, the reason being uh, there is nothing called you know it's very difficult to say what is cheap and what is costly in our country. It depends on lot of social strata that you have and therefore it is on the receiving end. Um, My belief always has been that uh, for a country like India where out of pocket expenses on healthcare have always been on the higher side. Um, And with a rare country like India where we are not reimbursed by the government for healthcare, uh, we need to understand that the social responsibility of healthcare also falls on the companies. And if that is the case, we need to be far more responsible about how we conduct ourselves and what we do. And pricing is just one more factor of that and therefore the thinking around responsible pricing. But when you look at it from the other side, Uh, One thing is very clear that uh, the uh, responsible pricing bit from a patient point of view is the same whether it's an MNC or an Indian company. Uh, I I think the patient doesn't differentiate which company it comes from. What differentiates itself now coming on the other side is the fact that I'm able to use technology and scientific advancement to create platforms that can manage certain things at a lesser cost. And that is exciting for me from the other side, you know, for example, you have a quite a bit of products which have uh, in, in bi- biotech or, or large molecules which are human origin or natural origin. How can you make them more recombinant? How can you develop cell lines to ensure that manufacturing is uh, you know, proper, consistent and costs go down? Now that is something which is very different to do from the other side. So it's funny that it's not so much about the price, but as much as about how can we use advancement of science to actually reduce cost to deliver more responsible pricing for the citizens of this country. So that differentiates. Otherwise, from a company side, I think we should be socially responsible on pricing, whether we are an MNC or an in Indian company.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, I mean, pricing is really tricky, perhaps in markets like India. So, and I I guess is has the best of both worlds, a peek into the MNC world and a a man who's, you know, who's seen the market close up front and close. Uh, anyway, before we get to specifics on BSV strategy, uh, you know, now that you're here, I'd just like to pick your brains on the bit on the huge spike we've seen in raw material prices, whether it's APIs, intermediates, excipients, solvents, aluminum prices, and plus this jump in shipping freight costs. Now, um, How worrisome is this overall for industry and what's in store in terms of impact on industry margins as well as drug prices? And just related to that, how is BSE trying to de-risk its supply chain? I mean, we know that you have a biologicals API unit in Germany, so it makes it all the more interesting.
1: Yeah, I think, Anju, you touched a very important part of uh, the story that is unfolding today. Uh, the most important part unfolding today is that cost escalations are happening across the world. It is, uh, you know, uh, it is as much as some street food price going up to really fuel um, solvents leading to solvents price increase to APIs and it's all uh, ultimately uh, on a much of a bigger roller coaster than that we have ever seen in the last 20 years or so. So one of the factors we have seen in the last two years is that uh, during COVID supply disruptions happened. Now war related supply disruptions are happening. So supply disruptions are here to stay and we need to start thinking more carefully about supply chains differently. In fact I these days coin a phrase that there is nothing like just in time inventory but just in case inventory. So you start thinking about supply chains very very differently. There are three four ways to deal with it but more importantly I am getting a feeling that this problem is here to stay. We are not going to see a huge downward trend on commodities as cyclical trends have happened in the past, we might see some of it staying afloat and price basically as benchmark price and cost going up. So that is a very important digestion that all of us need to have that there is a certain level of cost escalation is here to stay. Secondly, that disruptions in the global supply chain have to be taken as normal and not abnormal, which was the case earlier. Thirdly, i think everybody will have to start thinking of alternate supply chains in the way of trying to look at integ- uh, backward integration look at thinking around how do you uh, you know look at your product development your uh, you know your thinking around how products are manufactured in a much much different way than before as i mentioned to you earlier you know we we are also looking at how we can go more recombinant so that we start reducing our dependence on uh, on raw materials or natural raw materials that come through countries like China or some other countries. You know, this is this is this is something for us. For example, one of the you know our, our top raw materials you know are uh, surprisingly for many others, but not so for us is uh, you know is um, blood products, is uh, urine. So there are very different kinds of uh, raw materials that we use, and therefore. Uh, we need to start getting more and more uh, towards uh, the the recombinant route. That is one way to look at it. But I don't think anybody can take this issue lightly. This is a worldwide phenomenon that continues to stay and could last longer than normal cycles. And we will have to start understanding this in a better way. We also have a limitation of how much can ever we pass on to the consumer so will it mean that our you know margin expectations change will it mean that we'll need to find efficiency differently will it mean that cost efficiencies will have to be focused more are all elements that are now coming to the fore and more and more use of technology is probably one of the one of the benefits that we might see that might come out of it. But it's it's less of price volatility that we are seeing as much as high pricing that we are seeing, and that's very different from the past cycles that we have seen. So um, I, I really am looking forward to cooling off of commodity pricing and therefore overall pricing on uh, on inputs. But it doesn't seem to be clearly in the offing in the near future.
0: So clearly uh, some turbulent times ahead looks like from your assessment. Um, now let's shift gears a bit and, uh, you know, dive into BSV's growth plans. Now, since your arrival at the helm, we've seen a significant uptick in BSV's MA appetite. It acquired TTK hum- TTK's human pharma division for Indian rupees 8.05 billion. Then the women's health brand tidulan Then, uh, you know. So could you take us through some of the wider strategic thinking on the TTK deal, which actually comes at five times revenues and also the bump up it gives BSV in the women's health segment? Are we going to see more M&A uh, and does BSV need more feet on the ground?
1: So uh, Anju, I think one of the, so as we draw out a strategy plan, we need to think through where we need to go and why we need to go there, and then therefore, as a derivative, look at Hemendey's or, or the deals that we do. So, as we started working on strategy of the company, one of the things that we saw was that we were probably the most important women's health company around in India. But were we the biggest? No. Were we the most relevant? Probably no. So we had to think through how do we build that business uh, accordingly, and see how we can uh, achieve plans to be the most relevant healthcare company on women's health uh, in particular. So that was one strategy that we had. Secondly, you rightfully mentioned in the earlier question, backward integrate in such a way that you are not, uh, resp- you know, uh, in a way seen as. Too dependent on outside sources, so therefore the Germany plant we gave it a big push and we have increasing capacities there and making it more viable for us. On the other hand, also we realize that we are a high-end biotech injectable uh, company on in women's health and critical care, so our reach is limited to that particular uh, section of patients and doctors. Now, if we want to become more relevant, we needed a little bit more in terms of retail channel and reaching out to more doctors and becoming more relevant there in both women's health and critical care. So as we looked at all these things, I think one of the factors that um, we realized is that not only we need to grow organically, but it would help us to build inorganic strength to ensure that we participate in these markets much quicker. So therefore you saw us acquiring uh, TTK Healthcare's business, you saw us acquiring uh, some brands from Tidilayana, like our brands from Jagat Pharma, is basically to ensure that now we clearly can state that we are the largest women's health company of India, but for some minerals and uh, you know food elements that can uh, you know that can form a part of women's health, but otherwise we are the largest women's health company now and also the most relevant women's health company because now we cover more diseases uh, for women's health than before. So that clearly makes us uh, forced to reckon with in one particular area. So that uh, and the reason to study more and more is uh, on this is that there are ways to grow organically, there are ways to grow, grow inorganically, we will continue to do both. We will also, we are also continuously looking at in licensing. We are looking at partnership opportunities. We are looking at um, uh, some newer ecosystems. One of the other things on our mind is that uh, let's start moving our company from being a pharmaceutical company to a healthcare company. So we are agonistic now to look at deals in uh, in in diagnostic in uh, um, in uh, devices. So we are starting to look much, much more or in in in. Uh, In uh, uh, digitalized form of uh, services. So there is a lot more we are starting to think as a healthcare company because as the patient shifts from being a patient to a consumer, the expectation of that consumer is to look for solutions from companies and not look for products from companies. And if that is the case, we will need to get wider and wider. So therefore, you see us very active in the M&A setup which we will continue to be active for quite some time.
0: That's really interesting. Uh, Obviously, I mean, you're looking at uh, patient expectations rather (laughs) rather closely and, uh, you know, a bouquet of options to become what you've said, uh, termed as a relevant, you know, women's health company. Now, uh, it's also interesting in the, you know, wider context of things because uh, the BSV scale-up in the women's health segment ties in with similar global trends. And we've seen, you know, Merck's listed women's health spin-out organon has really ambitious plans in South Asia, and it's also looking at a wider approach from right from devices to repurposing, all of that, putting the woman in the center. Now, what's making the women's health story so compelling now? Because, you know, sadly and historically, women have been pri- primary health care providers and decision makers for family health for several years, uh, you know, and while not really prioritizing their own health. And we have some really disturbing stats when it comes to Asia and India on this front. So what's actually making it so exciting now?
1: Yes, so I think uh, the the social context that you bring in with your question is so relevant and important. But uh, if I tell you some stat and which you must have read, you might find that this is a global issue and not just an Asia issue where a recent uh, McKinsey report on unlocking opportunities in women's healthcare actually talked about total r&d spend globally in biopharma to be dollars 198 billion and only 1% of it is being spent on research and innovation in female specific conditions beyond oncology so you can imagine right from big pharma to small pharma to geographic uh, you know, classification neglect of female specific conditions or treatment have been there even from the R and D side and the lens that people look at and that actually is hurtful. I don't think it is the even uh, something to talk about it is a shameful thing actually that 50% of the world is being uh, you know is is women and how can uh, we even think this way. So therefore probably there is starting to be more and more awakening of this situation that uh, I think this has to be resolved. The second thing that we need to resolve is the fact that uh, we need to build an an ecosystem where it can help women get to better healthcare. So it is not just about researching and innovating on uh, women's health conditions, but also creating an ecosystem. Uh, Unfortunately, in Asia, as you said, imagine um, uh, a working man has to go to a doctor uh, for a visit that impacts the working man, but a working woman or a woman, uh, needs to go to a doctor, it disturbs the family. So this is a reality of how we live in and therefore how do we create conditions that means that we get, give better offerings to uh, uh, and create a better ecosystem for women's health. That is probably a very important thing. Plus there are diseases where uh, where where uh, I know where really many women get affected and we, we have not been paying much attention. I will give you a co- you know, couple of examples. endometriosis. Endometriosis is where you know one in ten women get affected, and uh, how much do we manage the disease? Not much, it not managed properly. So that's something to think of. That why does this happen? Look at Rh-negative women and childbirth. Yeah. So it is, it is interesting that we are probably the only company uh, around which is making you know immunoglobulins for Rh-negative uh, women uh, during pregnancy. Yeah. Uh, we are the only ones in India and we are the only ones in the world doing uh, monoclonal and uh, recombinant uh, you know, uh, immunoglobulins. So clearly there are very less participation from organizations to do that. I'll give you one more example. I think what is on, I mentioned about digital uh, and uh, intervention and devices. Let me give you one more good example. You know, we we are also creating an ecosystem of uh, startups and we are helping Most of the startups get good funding, so is funding an issue for them? No, most of the startups are, you know, have good technology or good science going around, they have that. What they don't have is go to market models. They really lack uh, getting into uh, market. So we are starting to collect those kind of ecosystems concerned with the health areas that we deal with and all therapeutic areas we deal with. I'll give you another example, you know, where how to help women in a different way we we work with a company and now we have launched a device called baby beat what does the device do that in high-risk pregnancies earlier a woman had to travel to the doctor's uh, um, clinic to get checked on the status of the fetus and measure the heartbeat check the status of the fetus now with this kind of device this can this is just a portable device which can be kept at home uh, you know um, uh, and can check the heartbeat of the child, can remotely sense and send data to the doctor to take feedback. So these kinds of interventions are necessary. So my belief is that there is a certain amount of recognition coming globally and to companies that no longer women's health can be uh, you know tolerated the way it has been uh, treated with. We have to take more uh, responsibility towards it and therefore you see a lot more activity there Uh, we will certainly be on the forefront we we probably want to be the most important and relevant company there
0: that's uh, really really fascinating some of the insights and uh, clearly there are huge unmet needs and it's great to have pharma spotlight on women's health in any case uh since you touched upon this bit on devices now, uh, would BSV also be open to in licensing or co-marketing deals with, say, companies like Organon because, you know, they have something called the JADA system, a medical device to provide control and treatment of abnormal po- postpartum uh, uterine bleeding or hemorrhage. And that seems to kind of fit well with your thrust. And you also launched uh, Carbatocin last year. So, you know, all of that seems to tie in rather well. So is that, you know, are those the kind of opportunities that you would like to leverage?
1: So Anju, you actually have stated our strategy in a way, you know, I think we will go and hunt for uh, every possible opportunity to cooperate in license co market anything that will make sense to us and our strategy. And we are doing that. As I mentioned, you know, we have done now three deals on devices and one deal on diagnostic. One after the other, as we launch in the market, we will will, uh, inform everyone. But as I mentioned, we already launched one. Uh, But there are more in the pipeline, there are more. uh, We are also looking at uh, internet companies which are giving good, uh, let's say having a good understanding of service to women in terms of their health and healthcare. Um, So we are looking at those kinds of opportunities. We are looking at international companies which are trying to uh, work through the US and Europe market but have no access to countries like India and tell them that look we can take care of these markets here and emerging markets and many a times what we are doing is whatever we are doing in India for the company, we are also doing in most emerging markets. So we are replicating the whole story, for example, we, we clearly have a good uh, set of presence in Philippines, in Kenya, Nigeria, so we implement many of these things in these countries also, so that uh, even there we are uh, we are in a position to help uh, women there also. So. Uh, all across certainly very very encouraging trends and a lot is there in pipeline for us i think it, it's tough uh, in the sense to materialize everything but some of it has started to materialize and uh, uh, I, I think in the next six months we should be talking more on these lines
0: okay so it's clearly a pipeline that's buzzing and something that we should be closely watching with you at the helm now uh, So you also touched upon this bit on fostering the ecosystem and in terms of startups, etc. Now, we are seeing some interesting parallel uh, developments in industry. Uh, I'm referring to the bit on digital therapeutics in women's health, and that's seen some really fascinating new developments. And just to throw some numbers in, uh, the US digital health startups serving women raised 1.3 billion through August 2021, and that's a pandemic year. I'm I'm kind of just trying to understand. Is this an area that you know BSV will kind of encourage startups, partner startups uh, are those on the anvil?
1: Certainly so Anju. So you know it's it's very interesting. um, That we started with a few devices and diagnostic discussions with startups and now many startups are lining up uh, to discuss this kind of uh, uh, work with us. So What we want to do is, uh, as I mentioned, one of the things we can offer is uh, help on science, but also go to market models. But beyond that, what we are now starting to do uh, help is mentoring. Because with mentoring, we might be able to get to a position where in digital therapeutics, we also start building a different uh, vertical and business in digital therapeutics that we can do. Because ultimately, when you look at it vertically and you look at it horizontally, While vertically, you will need to build many of these and digital therapeutics is a very, very important thrust area for us. But when you look at it horizontally, it will serve the women community in such a way that it will be end-to-end solutions for everyone. So it's extremely important that when we start to think vertically and that's what most companies do, we might be a rare company which is starting to understand that horizontal working uh, also encapsulates a lot of this working and therefore digital therapeutics is not an idea that we need to dabble in but has to be important part of a, of, a, of a strategy. So we're starting to work a lot on it. I don't have too many examples right now to quote, but obviously it's a lot of hard work before we can get out in the market and say we did this. But clearly look at it from a simple solutions point of view that IVF is, a, is an expensive, uh, let's say treatment for many couples. And uh, first of all, one in 10 couples Suffer from um, uh, you know having a having a child. Out of that, a certain percentage uh, do well on counseling. Certain percentage do well on some simple solutions. Certain percentage, the small intervention helps. But some of them have to go to IVF. At that time, how do you create you know digital help through simple things such as uh, you know some microfinancing or joining the ecosystem of counselors? How do you create an ecosystem where They don't have to run around everywhere and they can take a one for one stop shop or trying to organize everything for themselves so all that needs to be worked on and we we have started making a lot of steps in those directions some of those are individual components have started to fall in place and we are operating those but as you mentioned digital therapeutics is a much larger idea and it's an ecosystem around it which we will certainly uh, which will certainly uh, work through uh, right now so Clearly what you say is true, and we do see a lot of work happening in the startup ecosystem now.
0: That's great news for uh, digital therapeutic startups as well to know that, uh, you know, they can kind of uh, look out for uh, partnering efforts. Uh, okay, let's now focus a bit on some of the other key BSP plans. Uh, you, you set up R&D center in the state of Maharashtra, and there are plans for a new manufacturing site in Genome Valley. What are some of the initial short-term milestones we should look out for pertaining to these initiatives?
1: So the manufacturing thing is a, is a bit straightforward. I think at a company which has been growing at a CAGR of more than 20%, you can imagine how much capacity constraint we will face in time to come. Uh, only thing is, as as good companies should do, they should plan in advance, so we are looking at how do we get to create another um, uh, multipurpose uh, injectable facility at uh, uh, in the genome value in the next two, two, two and a half years that it takes to build a plant. So we, we will go, uh, I think there will be high action in the second half of this year and we will continue to ensure that the plant is built in as much crunch time that we can but that's a very sim- simplistic answer to that but it's important that we keep uh, most of these technology in house and therefore we will build another plant. So that's probably a rather simplistic uh, answer to that part uh, but, the, but the other part that you mentioned about R&D is critical. One of the things that we want to establish as, as I mentioned in the beginning to say that we are one of the foremost R&D companies of India. And on top of it, as you see a global shift from small molecules to large molecules. We are even more poised because we have been over the years this company has been researching in biotech for a long time. In fact, uh, this is uh, a country can take pride in the fact that the anti-RHOD immunoglobulin that we have as a recombinant is the first in the world. And there is hardly, you know, people have tried and tried all over the world and not succeeded while we have succeeded. Not only we have local patents, but we have global global patents. We have patent even in the US for that. So clearly an Indian company is trying to make a splash saying that we can create world-class R&D. But to support that, we also have seen that we can become a, one of the best recombinant uh, cell line players in the country in terms of R&D a biotech R&D space. If that is the case we have now formed a list of cell lines that we want to develop in terms of uh, the recombinant products that we want to offer in the future. Having created that as a platform and thinking we are now going uh, you know and uh, ensuring that the work starts so that in the new R&D facility we become the cornerstone of India's development in recombinant technology have a high quality platform for that and have uh, say in-house skill in developing cell lines. So this is the ambition that we are driving at. Not only it will be uh, great for us as a company in terms of global positioning, but it will be also recognition for India in terms of global platforms that look India can have a high quality R&D biotech player. So that's something that we are working on therefore the reason of building. Uh, the, uh, the additional R&D infrastructure in in uh, in Mumbai. Um, we have over hundred scientists there in that site. Uh, uh, you're all welcome to come anytime and visit the place. It's it's worth looking. It's uh, you know how how small an R&D unit can look in terms of biotech R&D, but how big can be the output is something worth looking at. But clearly that's our ambition, and therefore we build uh, build additional capacities in R&D.
0: Uh, that sounds really exciting, and uh, I mean, uh, the plans are ambitious, but uh, I, I'm sure, uh, you know, you, you kind of thought it out as well. So uh, if I can just uh, move a bit on, you know, one of the announcements you had made some, uh, some time or some, I think a year or so ago. This is the olinastatin uh, ul- uh, progress now yeah. as a potential treatment for COVID-19 patients with mild to moderate uh, ARBS. Now, uh, how far have you got on this and um, or, you know, has COVID itself the kind of uh, thing that we are seeing? Has it dulled the prospects in any way?
1: Yeah, so Anju, I think uh, when you start on these uh, objectives, there are a few objectives that you have in mind. One is the suddenness of COVID that happened and therefore finding solutions for uh, the disease and trying to study how the disease pans out. That was one. Secondly, to encourage scientists in the company to experiment and look at hypotheses and allow them to uh, uh, do uh, not only experiments, lab scale ex- experiments, but do trials also to see impact on patients and therefore build higher scientific temper in the company. And thirdly, to obviously make a statement that uh, here is a company which is serious about R&D. So with all these objectives we started, uh, the Statin trial is complete. Uh, I think our hypothesis was basically that the inflationary markers, inflammatory markers that are there, the TNF-alpha, IL-1, IL-2, IL-6, if can be inhibited by statin, it should work in COVID patients if there is inflammation and, uh, and therefore can result in exacerbation of uh, uh, you know, alveolar and then lungs uh, getting, to, uh, getting to impact. So that's a hypothesis we had, clearly I think it was a good hypothesis. Uh, According to us, it has had a role to play in COVID treatment. Uh, Obviously, I think the same logic was applied for, uh, uh, if I am not mistaken, prednisolone uh, trial experiment that NHS did and found success. But prednisolone is a far effective anti-inflammatory than olinastatin. So I think ultimately if you compare the two, uh, prednisolone will always win. But uh, I think the experiment worked very well. Our trial is complete. The data has collated. I think the data is ready for submission to the DCJ as a as, uh, as a good example of good clinical trial and good hypothesis. What comes out of it we don't know at this stage we'll see how uh, how the regulatory authorities uh, look at the data but uh, I think it was a good very very good experiment it also established ourselves well as an important player in R and D in COVID. The second experiment we did and uh, was on COVID antibody which uh, You know, I think uh, started a little late in the, in the, because of several permissions that it it was, because it was phase one, phase two dynamic study. So, it was, it required a lot of permissions and we did have a few patients on trial. Um, Obviously, we don't have enough patients hospitalized right now to continue the trial further. So, that's a different uh, issue altogether. But the initial data is very, very encouraging. Also, in the first few patients we treated, uh, it has worked very well, but uh, obviously it is still not enough from a data point of view to submit to the authorities. so and uh, I can't you know I, I must hope that there is less hospitalization. so I can't even uh, say that uh, we we should continue the trial further right now without hospital. you know we, we need, we'll need more patients on the trial, but I'm happy with the current situation that there are very few patients in the hospital.
0: Uh, really really interesting stuff there again uh, and, uh, and and i mean clearly you've been able to action the r&d rapidly as well and that's probably also a very important uh, uh, thing to keep an eye on finally uh, you know if if i can just move to uh, the broader vision that you have where do you see bsv 5 years down the road would it be publicly listed are you going to kind of spin out women's health a la Merck, or perhaps even emerge as a strategic partner for Big Pharma? After all, you have a PE on board or is it something, you know, much beyond?
1: I think, Achu, you know, I think this is a crystal ball question. Uh, my current focus and see it's been two years since we came here, just about two years, I think, Feb uh, 2020 where was when we came into the company. Uh, My primary aim is to build a world class biotech company. With great uh, presence in women's health and critical care, both Um, be not only an India and emerging markets player, but find a way to start looking at. BSV being a much bigger global player reach a certain size to say that we have uh, enough strength to do a lot of work uh, in R&D because ultimately R&D requires a lot of money build the uh, R&D platform for recombinant technology I think these are bigger ambitions right now for us to have the question you ask is an important question on how does it look financially or as a company from an outside world and that's a question that we should answer maybe another one and a half two years down the line rather than today because you know you can only uh, spin off or sell or, or, or partner A good company. Ultimately only a good product will make sense to people. So at the moment my appeal to members of the company has been that focus on building a very very good company and that we have very very strong plans and very well laid out plans. So let's walk the path and build a very good company which everybody will be attracted to and then it becomes a much simpler decision that what do we need to do from uh, the point of view of listing or partnering or finding another you know, innovative way of uh, our presence in the global uh, healthcare setup. I think those questions will automatically be answered because many companies will be interested in what we are doing and many people would be interested. So uh, it's always important to focus on what you're good at and what you should be and allow these kinds of, uh, uh, let's say, Uh, external dimensions to uh, naturally come to you or automatically come to you rather than run after them because then what you do is change your focus to saying that, uh, can I list at a particular price? What can be the market cap of the company? We are a healthcare company. We are serving patients. I think that's an outcome for us. It cannot be the goal for us. So, uh, and you might, you you know me for a very long time. So I would rather keep the company pure in those terms to ensure that we focus on the right thing.
0: Absolutely fascinating. So, uh, I mean, Sanjeev, always a pleasure talking to you. And thank you so much for those important and fascinating insights into what now and what next at BSV, and also in the biopharma segment.
1: Thank you. I really enjoyed the discussion.